are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too shabby. Um, uh, how's everybody doing? Welcome to Dude That's Fucked Up. I'm Aaron. I'm Nicole. This is the greatest show, man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and by this, I mean this fucking podcast, you bitches. Hello. Hello. Um, what's up, everybody? Uh, let's see here. Where were we? Um, welcome. Yeah. Uh, we are doing part two of P.T. Barnum today. Oh, my gosh. Um, that was crazy. This, yeah. There's this asshole. This is a lot. This guy, there's so much more to come, he, which we're going to get into. He really left his mark on the world. And by mark, I mean a skin mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about this at the end, but circuses are sad. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Um. Yeah, do we have any business or anything fucked up to talk about before we get into it? Um let's say um no, I just feel like uh we've been having so much fun in the group lately and uh I don't really think I have anything fucked up this week. Yeah. I don't know. Um nothing nothing for me either. I think we should just jump into this shit. I think so. Yeah, I think let's just do it cuz I Cause people are a, waiting. There's still a lot to get through, so we want to make sure that we uh, we do this uh, yeah this problematic man justice. <laughs> yeah, let's um let's give a little recap, I guess. Yeah. So last we left you, mm-hmm. uh, P. T. Barnum was tearing it up in New York City with his <laughs> little museum. Uh, with his little kidding. museum of offense. Yeah, his little museum of being racist as fuck and yeah. weird and problematic. Uh, he, uh, no, I'm kidding. He was, I mean, no, I'm not kidding. It was very, public, very offensive. Uh, but it was not a little museum. It was huge. And yeah. he had multiple of them at this point. It was yeah. like he was blowing up big yeah. time. He uh, was traveling Europe um, with General Tom Thumb, mm-hmm. his uh, little buddy, Um that he stole from his family at the age of four. Little, in, <laughs> yeah, little in age and stature. That's right. Um, yeah, and uh, he was uh, getting ready to, he needed, he wanted to branch out some more. So yeah. he's I, yeah. he's traveling through Europe. It's like, eight, what, 1849-ish? Yeah. yeah. And I so. think, too, at this time, like, the thing, he, he for how, uh, for how, basic i guess of an education he had and for how little of actual like business prestige he had he was starting to feel like i want to be more respectable like yes i want to yes i want to be involved like in something that's not entirely racist and awful i think he was starting to have a little urge like okay like i've been duping people and it's made me some money but like how do i like actually be important and fancy <laughs> right i think he was getting a lot of hate yeah uh, rightly so for um some of his uh more offensive displays of human curiosities and people yeah. were just like excuse me this is not great yeah. uh you need to sit down um but he, and so he was feeling that i think he had somewhat of a conscience he uh there's gonna be some we're gonna get into some of that a little bit later 
But yeah, that's kind of where we last left you. He was building a McMansion and yeah. with his like tons of money, that was also very offensive somehow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably in design and cultural cultural appropriation. Um, uh, it was offensive in design. It was ugly. It was, and it and you know what? It burned down. So yeah. good riddance. You know what? That's the probably best part about it. Yeah. No one uh, died. So. It's fine, everybody. Calm yeah. down. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> uh, you know what? Fires were just happening all the time then. They yeah. didn't really have a lot of great ways of preventing them. So uh, I think it was an, just... yeah, an electrical fire or something. Oh, no, that's that burned down something else later. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Fires were just rampant. Yeah, so obviously we don't really have that high of an opinion of this guy so far. No. Um, He's fine. He's no Hugh Jackman. No, no. God, no. I still hate that movie. <laughs> I still am, like, upset that I watched it, but, you know. I it's, like- good to, it's good for research purposes to see what the – I don't know. It's, like, interesting to see the portrayal of, of – somebody who is like a yeah. real life person mm-hmm. and see them per- portrayed in a very fanciful way. I don't know. It's it's very telling of what we want to see of how we want to remember somebody. Yeah. But uh we're giving you guys the whole the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And it's some cold hard facts and we're really sorry that we're ruining this movie. We're ruining childhood whatever for some people like we did with her Disney episode. Sorry. Oh, um, I don't think this is at the the ca- caliber of Disney. No, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. But it was done in such a way that is like very Disney, like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. But the I'm just saying, like the portrayal, yeah, yeah, is so wholesome and so. Uh, this guy is like so cool. Look at all the stuff he did. It's like yeah, he did some very interesting stuff, but yeah, not all of it was great and. <laughs> The things that he did do that were very offensive, uh, I've never heard anybody talk about before. Yeah. Except for in maybe Vanity Fair <laughs> or The Atlantic. It's like, oh, look at all the stuff he did. It's like, yeah, look at all the stuff he did. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's what we're doing. Uh-huh. We're shining the light. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, let's see. So, like we said, we're picking up where we left off from the last episode. It's about 1849. Mm-hmm. He's in Europe traveling around. And while he's there, he's, uh, like you said, he's wanting to, he's trying to figure out a way to lend his brand a little bit of respectability. He needs, he needs to like have an injection of, of wholesomeness somehow. Yeah. Um, and it's there in Europe that he catches wind of a super famous soprano singer dubbed the Swedish Nightingale, whose name is Jenny Lind. That's her name. She's beautiful. Um, opera singer. She was at the height of her career in Europe. Um, and he was like, yes, this is who I need. Because not only was she like super talented, she was also like a very virtuous person mm. who did a lot of good. And um, she was, I think, very religious and very like very beautiful, very just lovely, just mm-hmm. a lovely person. And he's like, this is what I need. I need I need this air of wholesomeness and respectability. Oh. Um, and opera was like very like high art kind of. Yeah. Uh, uh, still is. Uh, still is. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so he approaches her and convinces her to do a tour of America. And America, like I think in a lot of Europeans eyes at this point is just like very like. Ugh. 
like it like it is now (laughs) (laughs) we've come full circle great yeah Mm, cool Uh, doing a tour of america just like makes me think of like a a rock and roll beavis and butthead oh Oh. no that's funny though (laughs) that's fun yeah so she's like uh who the fuck are you what the fuck is this um and he's like listen I'm going to pay you a lot of money for you to do this. So he makes a deal with her that she'd get paid $1,000 a night for 150 nights, all expenses paid by him. Uh, so, Oh, my God. Just FYI, $1,000. I think I mentioned it in the last episode. This is like what he bought his the slave lady for that he started oh. his career with. Mm-hmm. It's about 30. It's like over $30,000 in today's money. Oh, my God. Uh, so, a night. A night, oh. thirty thought she would be making thirty thirty thousand dollars a night. Oh my god! And she and he wanted her to do a hundred and fifty nights uh-huh. of the tour, so that's like four point five million ish dollars. Oh my god! That's a fuck ton of money for then and now. I mean, I like it'd be like it'd be like who's like kind of a flim flam man now? Oh, uh. It's probably like it'd probably be like what they pay like Chris Angel in Vegas if he does a residency or something. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like Larry the Cable Guy asking Adele to do a tour of America. A pro, a pro, a pro, I can't ever say that. A pro, pro, a pro, a pro, pro, I can't say it. Of nothing. Oh, apropos, apropos, I can never fucking say that. Goddamn. I was like, apropos I thought you were of- trying to say appropriation or something. I was like, what is she no. saying? no uh, okay no he just like just cuz do you know how i know that phrase why how all i wanna do is have some fun it says it in that song it does yeah it's like uh like uh, in her spoken weird word weird like yeah, Paul Simony like, parts yeah uh i forget the part but it's like apropos of nothing and it says yeah. his name is bill or billy or mac or buddy <laughs> or whatever the thing is. Okay, so yes, it's okay. a lot of money. A lot of money, yeah. Uh, and it was especially a lot of money for how much the United States did not listen to opera. We <laughs> like we weren't that into opera. I mean, there kind of like, like some now. High... Yeah. Well, listen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I speak for yourself. I am partial to P- Puccini myself. <laughs> Puccini. Puccini. Oh, I thought you said. Puccini. Puccini opera. Yeah, Puccini. Uh, uh, my favorite opera is Madame Butterfly. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful opera. I'm partial to Fettuccini. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, End of Ghostbusters 2 <laughs> when they have the the portrait that comes from Vigo. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yes, it's one of the Fettuccinis, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> So needless to say, this gamble mm-hmm. uh, that P.T. Barnum was taking, not knowing how it was going to be received, uh, how opera was going to be received in the U.S. since not a lot of people listen mm-hmm. um, to it or per se, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He uh, made a good bet because this actually ended up being pretty, pretty successful. Wow. Um, so... He didn't really know very much about music, and he admitted that. So he didn't really. This is like a very risky bet. You know what? For, he, for he him knew, being very uneducated about. He knew the basics about most things. So he like didn't, he, he, ha- didn't, he didn't know a lot he, about anything. 
He ha- well, he had an eye and an ear and a nose for <laughs> stuff that would be successful somehow. So when Jenny, so he he convinces her, she agrees to come on this tour. Mm-hmm. And when she arrives in America, like she she like comes on like a you know steamliner or whatever. Yeah. And when she arrives in America, there is like a fucking massive horde of people to to meet her at the docks. We're talking a lot of people, like oh forty thousand people, were at the dock to meet her. Oh my um, god! And PT was like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> Because he's like, yeah, like random opera singer. Like, let's like go make money or whatever. And she's like, oh, OK. Uh, and then like she gets there and there's like a million people. And he's like, oh, yes, I made a good bet. I did it. Uh, Not a million, then, like, but 40,000, which is a lot. Right. No, yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. like, yeah. you know, being hyperbolic. Uh, yeah. And then 20,000 were at her hotel to catch a glimpse of her when she, like, arrives. Oh, my God. Uh, And there is press there. And so PT was like, fuck, yes, let's make that money. And she was like, bitch, all these people are here for me. Let's (laughs) sign a new agreement so I can get that money. And he was like, okay. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. But So they... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, uh, everybody kind of saw that she was going to be making a ton of money. Yeah. And people started, like, this was, like, the first example of, like, licensing didn't exist because she didn't make any money from this. But all the people, like, watching this happen started selling, like, Jenny Lind. They Yes. Oh, my God. Like merch. Merch. Yeah. They sold, I saw in the documentary I watched, they sold a candlestick. And it had, like... <laughs> It's a lamp now. Like someone like modified it for the modern day. Like who's fucking putting that in their house? No one even knows who this is. But like it was like a candlestick holder and it had all these crystals hanging off of it. And then it had like a bust of her down, you know, like a Yeah, like a little a little sculpture like of her figurine of her yeah, yeah. down at the bottom. And they made Dude. like hats and shit. <laughs> Uh, this was wild like people were like making yeah like yeah. all kinds of merch it's like uh, new kids and, on the block remember yeah when they made like fucking pillowcases and shit oh my god yeah sleeping Holy bag shit. yeah yeah oh yeah so this was wild this was like beatlemania before beatlemania mm-hmm. this was like the og mm-hmm. um so she's she's like yes i will let's do it let's re-up on this uh contract i need to get more money because these people are here for me. And um, she, the new agreement gave her the original fee plus the remainder of the concert's profits after Barnum's $5,500 management fee, $5,500 management fee was paid. This is how you do showbiz. You ask for the points on the back end. You, you believe in yourself. You believe in your project. You say, yeah, I'm going to get you your money, but I want to make, profits if there are profits that's right and she was doing it right hell yeah dude this is a true fucking diva yeah who knew her worth Mm -hmm. and was not afraid to tell this fucking random dude Mm -hmm. what was up Mm -mm. and she was also a good person oh she was determined to get money not for herself but she wanted to accumulate so much money so that she could give it all to charity or most of it to charity yeah. yeah, she was, like, very, 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 like, she was already rich. She was already doing things. Yeah. She was, this chick, man, she knew what she was doing. I 
Yeah. Hero, man. Dude. Hero she's, status. Oh, yeah. She's like, the sisters are doing it for themselves. She's like, uh, she didn't even care really. She was like pulling in Alicia Keys before Alicia Keys did. She's like, I don't need to wear makeup and I'm just going to wear my hair in a braid. And yeah. I don't need Fuck to like y'all. conform to your like fucking bustier Beauty bullshit. Standard. Yeah. Yeah. She was awesome. Yeah. She was cool. I like her. I like her. She's good. Who played yeah. her in the movie? Was she in the movie? Uh, yeah, she's like a big part of the movie. Is um, she an unknown? Uh, no, I think she's like a famous singer or something. Oh. But I don't really know who she is. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, but she's she's killing it. She 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 people are loving it. Opera gets popular. Mm-hmm. This like really brings kind of an air of legitimacy to PT, mm-hmm. but um. By the early by early 1851, um, she Lynn um, Jenny Lynn had become very uncomfortable with with P.T. Barnum's rest, relentless marketing uh, of the tour, Ooh. and she invoked a contractual contractual right to sever ties with him. So she, that was another thing she had written into the agreement was like, you know, I can leave at any point, and I'll like you know pay. I, I won't. I'll pay back whatever, but like there was like a clause for her to be able to get out of it if she really wanted to. Um, Dang. So they parted amicably and she continued the tour for nearly a year under her own management because she's such a fucking badass. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, before she did that, she'd given uh, 93 concerts in America for Barnum and that earned her about $350,000. And Barnum netted at least $500,000. So he made all his money back and then some. So he made back like an equivalent of, so it was like $4.5 that he was like going to pay her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he made back like like almost $15 million Wow. And those, and for, so like in 2007, 17 money. Oh my God. Like that's what it converts to. So, um, okay, I have a question. In the movie, yeah. I read this because I obviously didn't watch it because I um, am not about to torture myself. What, because uh, you're a glutton for punishment, what, uh, <laughs> were they like sexually involved in the movie or like romantically no. involved? Oh, no. okay. Uh, well, I just was curious how they like portrayed the relationship. Well, so how they portray it is like he's just such a good and virtuous man and he loves his wife so much. That he would never dream of, oh. but he's enthralled by her still and her talent. Yeah, is how it's kind of portrayed in the in the movie, which you know might have been true in real life. Yeah. Like and and but the thing that really bothered me in the movie is they made it seem like she was interested in him, but she was not. She was absolutely She's not. She's an independent woman. Yeah, so they made it seem like in the movie this is like another garbage fucking plot point yeah. um they made it like seem like she's she's this like glamorous woman who uh is just like frivolous and falls in love with him and wants to be with him and he's like no no i cannot my wife i love her oh. so much i can't and like he kind of rejects her and she like gets upset and that's how she leaves the tour which that's not true she left the tour because he's such a fucking maniac. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. 
<laughs> yeah. Cause like that, can't stop marketing and being like gross about making money. So yeah, just like trying to wring every last drop out of her. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I think like historians say they, there was nothing in between them, but like some people wanted to believe that or like, you know, yeah, like some people wanted to believe that, but there was like no evidence and no. it wasn't a thing. So and she was like, she was a fucking very virtuous, good person. I and he was like a insane person so there's it just it's not that's not it uh yeah so they they go their separate ways he has all this money um they were not fucking don't worry um (laughs) but (laughs) i don't want to think about him fucking anyone he's not a looker i just can't i'm like down to like think about hugh jackman fucking oh yeah 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 yeah. other than that but not P.T. the Chin Barnum. <laughs> P.T. the Chin. He had quite quite a face. Also, he was so old by the time he started the circus. Like we're not even there. We're not yet, even guys. there yet. But that's what I'm saying. Like, but like Hugh Jackman needs to be at least a good twenty years older to play P.T. Barnum at the circus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. So, so this <laughs> this is over. This chapter in his life is over. He yeah. he made his money, and so what's he's next? like, "What's next?" Yeah. It's always for him, like, "What's next? What mm-hmm. what's gonna be the next thing I make money on?" So, in the decade after the super successful tour with Jenny Lind, he spun the money and the cred that he gained into several projects. So, yes, because he's respectable now. Remember, because she was like yes. legit. She was legit. She lent him this air of respectability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he has all this money also. So yeah. he has everything. He's doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, so he decides he wants to now follow up with bringing respectability to the theater. Mm-hmm. Now, the theater at this time was not, it was considered like a den of sin and just like kind of a gross what weird yeah it was like very it was all it was like the same thing it was like kind of flim flammy kind of like Mm. they you know not very like actors were immoral it was just like kind of like like smutty I guess and trashy so he um ends up building at the time New York's largest New York City's largest and most modern theater and named it the moral lecture room New York's largest and most modern theater is the Moral, moral Lecture. lecture. <laughs> I thought you were going to do it again. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this place has everything. <laughs> Morals, lectures. Morals, lectures, rooms. <laughs> um, yeah, so he was like, I want to, I want to, I want the theater to now be this like, mecca for middle class entertainment like i like wholesome you know good let's let's market it to the the middle class masses and to mm-hmm. families and um make it and like during this time like temperance was a thing like mm. he became um when he was in europe he stopped drinking and became like a outspoken about temperance and um yeah so well, he his career from then on was less offensive, I guess. So maybe, maybe that was a good it's thing. It's for the best. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think, I think that might have helped actually. Um, <laughs> so he'd put on these like temperance morality kind of lectures and plays. That sounds real uh, fun. 
Ugh, it sounds terrible. Well, and he like he, it was like kind of like propaganda kind of plays mm-hmm. that he'd do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did they they did the dumbed down versions of Shakespeare. Mm. Um, they had a dumbed down and like offensive <laughs> now I think version play version of Uncle Tom's Cabin. Where, yeah, yeah, where it's like all the slaves are happy and free now. Like it's like, Ugh. oh, okay, so he was still offensive, so completely still on brand. Go on, yeah, 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 totally <laughs> still on brand. Uh, oh, and also lots of minstrel shows. Oh, yeah, we've talked about minstrel shows. I think in the Center Klaus episode. Oh, yeah, uh, about where like white people dress up in blackface and like do all this like do a stereotypical yeah. version of a black person, and it mm-hmm. was like. That was like kind of all the rage back then. Yeah. So very offensive. Very, very offensive. Still definitely on brand for PT Barnum. Uh, and he he would do um all kinds of like sh- like a- apart from the theater, he also did like put on tons of silly shows like flower shows, beauty contests, dog shows, poultry contests, like P- poultry contests. I don't know. I have no idea. It's it. This is that's weird. Yeah, I have no idea. What's a flower uh, show? Like you just make a bouquet and then they judge it? Yeah, like who, whoever like grows the best roses, like Mrs. Strathmore from <laughs> the Upper West Side. Yeah, yeah she, she grows the most beautiful uh, red roses, heirloom to, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Wow, people yeah. really were like needing things to do. Oh, yeah. Dude, people still do flower shows and shit. Yeah. Not like people in, still do all this. They don't do Dog- that anywhere where we live because there's like actual things going on. Well, you don't know. You're not in that community. I don't think it exists. I don't want to find it. So <laughs> <laughs> let's just keep moving. Don't rain on somebody else's parade. Don't uh, rain on their rose parade. I'll watch that no. every year. That's cool. That's right. But yeah, they, that's because they, there's like automatronics and shit. Yeah. And that's fun. Yeah. But I mean, dog shows are still a thing like the Westminster Kennel Club. Is okay. but like I, dog show people are weird, right? Yeah, totally. Oh okay, my God. there's like that whole movie Best in Show, which is amazing. Best in Show is one of the greatest movies oh of my. all time. But like, there's some characters, and I'm sure there's normal people who do dog shows too. But like, but there's some weirdos, and the people that always win look like they're dogs, and they like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. busy bee. Um, <laughs> he all. <laughs> He also would do like other weird stuff. Okay, we're moving on. Okay, moving but on. I was just gonna say, what's weirder than a dog show? What's weirder than a dog show is uh, the most popular thing that he did were baby contests. Oh no, I was gonna say a cat show. Oh, dude, don't <laughs> even fuck with me on that one. I'll I'll take Boo to do a cat show right now. He's beautiful. Yeah, but you gotta like train him to do things. No, they just sit there. They don't oh. do shit. Oh. No, they just like pose. Oh, okay. Um, a baby no, show? What? A baby contest. Oh, yeah. So, like, they do. I was do, in a baby like, contest and I won as a baby. Like, oh my God, you were a precious baby. Dude, you know what? I'm a fucking baby contest winner. I should put oh, that on my resume. You should. <laughs> it was a Johnson and Johnson contest. I won for biggest eyes. I probably had a disorder. <laughs> like, you hadn't grown into your face yet. Yeah, it wasn't like cutest or like. Best it eyes was, like, was biggest. <laughs> like these eyes are not proportional to your bot to your face or to they were your body. like they were like these eyes do 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 they're so big she wins these eyes all right 
God. Okay. So Let's go. There was like fattest baby, like <laughs> handsomest twins, like shit like that. That's what it was. Which we still we still do that yeah, shit yeah, yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Gerber baby contest. All yeah. that all that goddamn shit. Yeah. Um Let's see. What else did he do? He became the president of a bank in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Cool. <laughs> as one does. Yeah, as one does. Um, he organized construction of New York City or New York's Crystal Palace for the World's Fair. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, he bought 50 acres of land in Bridgeport to develop the city of the future. East Bridgeport. <laughs> <laughs> never heard of it. Uh, uh, well, you know why was- you never heard of it? Why? It didn't happen. Oh, what? Uh, oh, because, that's weird. Well, that's because his partner, Chauncey Jerome, who was the owner of the Jerome Clock Company, just like skipped out on the deal and then uh, left PT in a half a million dollar debt. At Dude. that time. At that time, a half Fuck. a million dollar debt. That was like all the money so he like earned. So like a billion dollars now. Yeah. that was like, <laughs> But that was like all the money he earned off of that lady, right? Off of the opera singer. Yeah. Five hundred thousand oh. dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he lost it. He lost it all. Shit. Because this guy who like owned a clock company just like was like, mm, I never mind. I changed my mind and skipped out. Goddamn. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But- so he he was in a bad way after after all that. He. Oh uh, yeah, bad. He so he had to sell his uh his uh, I think he had to sell the museum. Yeah, he did. Like the main one in New York, right? Yeah, yeah. He had to sell the museum, and then they, and then it still, like, it still wasn't enough money to make up his debt. So then he had to stay on and like help them find acts for the museum. Oh, like he had to like consult for them. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, and then oh, and then Tom, uh, General Tom Thumb, this sweet baby angel, oh uh, graciously offered to go on tour with P.T. Barnum so he could make cash until he got back on his feet. He got like he. He still had some friends who were willing to help him, so that was that was nice. Tom Thumb, what a treasure! He's so, uh, what a lovely human. And he didn't even like—I don't even think P.T. Barnum like came to him begging or anything. He just like heard everything that was going on and was like, "Hey, like you help me make a lot of money." Yeah, and was a friend. Let's help you out here. Oh, yeah. So by the late fifties or eighteen fifties, I should say, and rolling into the early eighteen sixties, he bounced back. Yeah. Incredibly. Yeah, because of Tom Thumb's help. Be- yeah, he because he had a little help from his friends. So Aww. that's so nice. So he ended up uh, during this his bounce back, he created the America's first aquarium. Mm-hmm. He got himself uh, a new and improved General Tom Thumb, <laughs> who he called Commodore Nut. <laughs> I can't. Oh, my God, dude. It's so fucked. <laughs> Why? Okay, I get uh I get the I get the like Tom Thumb cuz he's little. What's nut got to do with anything? <laughs> it's a nut. It's like a, like a little nut. Like like a peanut? Yeah, like a peanut. Like Aww. Yeah, it's kind of cute. It should have been Commodore Peanut. I That's like, cute. I mean, but like nut spelled like N-U-T-T, so it's like a real name, but like, I don't know. It's I, just like silly. It's just like... It's so hard. God it's like it. Commodore Nut. <laughs> I think it's cute. I think it's the cutest thing, but it's like also like very patronizing, you know? It's just I like, okay, just is, this is a person. I um, hate it. <laughs> uh, but he and Commodore Nut got to go visit President Lincoln at the goddamn White House. Oh, that's cool. 
Yeah, so that's cool. Um, and then he also ends up uh, bringing on a ton more acts to the museum, including Chang and Ang, the Siamese twins. Mm-hmm. They came and did like a residency. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, he had his new buddy, Commodore Nutt, who was doing good. Uh, and in 1864, he even hired a woman named Pauline Cushman, who is an actress who had served as a spy for the Union to lecture about her, quote, thrilling adventures behind Confederate lines. Now, this is a quick history lesson just to, like, put you in some sort of historical context. Yeah. So this was about, like, this was early 60 or 1860s. Um, so... Just a reminder that the Civil War started in 1861 and ended in 1865. So when he hired this woman to tell her stories, her spy stories in 1864, like the Civil War was still happening. Um, And yeah, this was like kind of a crazy time in in history. Um, And, you know, I think in New York, people were just like, oh, yeah, it's cool, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, But don't forget that there's lots of Confederate sympathizers all over the North. I mean, the North, it might not have allowed slavery, but it was very racist also yeah. still. And, and still is at this, this whole point country in, in general. Yeah. In, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no nowhere safe. So but anyways, there's like a lot of still a lot of Confederate sympathizers up up north in New York. And uh, they did not appreciate PT's very public support for the union. Oh. Uh, so and he was also like he was a. He was like talking about abolition, be, being an abolitionist, like people were not really appreciating his political views. So mm. at one point, a Confederate arsonist started a fire in 1864 trying to burn down the museum. Uh, didn't work. But then another fire broke out on July 13th, 1865. Mm. And this time, Barnum's American Museum burned to the ground. Oh. And... They could never find the the reason for the fire, but um, Confederates could be. Um, and then so he reestablishes the museum at another location in New York City, but this too was de- destroyed by fire in March <laughs> of eighteen sixty eight. So I'm pretty sure he's pissed off a lot of people at this point. And Isn't there's that a pattern? Sh- I don't know. It's so weird, like how fires were very prevalent. I think just due to how people Mm -hmm. lived but then Mm -hmm. also like it's weird that people use that to like destroy people and you could just get away with it yeah there was they didn't have like um fire i mean i guess they yeah they had they had no such there was no such thing as fire code yeah there is i don't think that they had uh arson investigators (laughs) (laughs) i mean they could figure it out i i think yeah to some degree but like i don't know yeah well you would know if it's like faulty wiring or something but other than that you might not know yeah. Um, yeah. So this time after the, the second or actually third fire, but second one that burned down the other structure, mm-hmm. uh, this this time it was too big of a loss and, and Barnum had to retire from the museum business. Mm. So that, wow. that was the end of the museums. Um, but then this guy just takes a licking and keeps on ticking, man. He just like, <laughs> he's just he never stops. It's crazy. Oh, my God. So he finally, after many, many years of dipping into like various forms of entertainment and the museum burning down twice, he finally 
got into the traveling circus business in 1870. Oh, but we've arrived. Finally. Like, this fi- is we're like, finally. We're finally this here. This is like now where I know where we are. I know yeah. him of, I know P.T. Barnum of the circus. That's right. Yeah, we all do. I mean, that's like what he's synonymous with and yeah. known for, I think, most famously. Yeah. But he's like 60 years old at this point. Yeah. So he's, he's like an old man. And mm-hmm. so... He's like, I don't know. It's it's such a it's um it's almost a foot footnote at this point in yeah. in time of, of all the things that we've talked about in context of his life, but this is like his like third or fourth act of life. Um, I mean, it makes which sense. Which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. It makes sense that his museums like really the only difference uh, like the way the circus is now is definitely something he started, but like the elements of his museums just like essentially turned into a circus. It's because he couldn't keep his place from burning down. He had to take it on the road, right? That's right. Yeah. That, I mean, it was, it became, well, he's still doing and, the same thing, kind of. Yeah. It's like the same exact thing almost yeah. as the museum, but it's just mobile at this point. So yeah. he partners up with a dude named William Cameron Coop. And he established P.T. Barnum's Grand Traveling Museum, Menagerie, Caravan, and Hippodrome, uh, <laughs> which it was a traveling circus and a menagerie and museum of freaks. Like it was like exactly the same thing, but they had yeah. um, they were on the road. Um, in 1881, they had a merger with James Bailey and James L. Hutchinson, and it became <laughs> okay. Hold on, I got to read this whole thing. It became. P.T. Barnum's Greatest Show on Earth and the London Circus, Sanger's Royal British Menagerie and the Grand International Allied Shows United. Jeez. Because I guess James Bailey and James L. Hutchinson were from London. P.T. Barnum's Greatest Show on Earth. (laughs) And the Great London Circus, Sanger's Royal British Menagerie and the Grand International Allied Shows United. Yeah. It was that was a lot. So they obviously were like, maybe we should shorten this. This is (laughs) a lot. So they shortened it to Barnum and Bailey's. Oh, poor Hutchinson. But poor Hutchinson. Where's his name? Oh, fuck that guy. He didn't he didn't kick in enough money. Yeah. Uh, So this was the first circus to display three rings, which I always just thought that was like a saying, like a three ring circus, like a, you know, shit show, whatever. Uh, But actually was like where you have three shows going on like in the same big top all at once oh so there's three performances happening simultaneously and it made it made the like by having that it made this the largest circus the world had ever seen so this is pretty cool we never went Um, back from that you don't hear about a one ring circus no 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 too boring yeah lame 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 embarrassing yeah uh, so the show's first primary attraction was Jumbo, an African elephant he purchased in 1882 from the London Zoo. Huh. Um, and this is like a really actually huge elephant. So he uh, he made a lot of money from this. This was like what helped helped get the, the circus off the ground. The elephant's fame uh, even helped popularize the word Jumbo as a synonym for large. <gasps> so that was like not in our lexicon before then. It's how we got jumbo eggs and maybe even the jumbo jack. And the jumbo D. <laughs> and that's dick. And that's dick. And the Jumbotron. And the Jumbotron. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Uh, I didn't know Jumbo D was a thing. That's what... Do people say that? that? Uh, that's what me and DJ call huge dicks. <laughs> <laughs> How many Got huge the- dicks are you guys talking about? <laughs> Only one. <laughs> But this is okay. I'm gonna get into a really sad story now. Um. (laughs) Okay, calm down. Everybody, stop thinking about jumbo dicks because we're gonna get real sad. This is gonna be real sad. Think about Uh, like I don't know a dead person's jumbo d. (laughs) No, no, no. You don't. It's listen. Okay, what happened was okay jumbo died in 1885 when he was accidentally struck by a freight train and killed during a performance in Ontario. What What the fuck, man? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's really sad. But this is like a real quick sidebar about Jumbo because, like, I love this story. This is really cool. Uh, So he, P.T. Barnum, had Jumbo's hide stuffed and and donated to Massachusetts Tufts University. Oh. Uh, And because he served as a trustee there. Uh, he was like a donor and trustee to Tufts, and so Jumbo ever since then was it is has been tough, has been the Tufts mascot. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So for eighty six years, Jumbo, like the taxidermed pachyderm, uh-huh. stood in the in Barnum Hall. He had a hall named after him until uh, like he was just like in the hall, and people would like put like coins in his trunk for good luck or Aww. like yank on his tail for good luck like stuff like that um but in april for, on april 14th 1975 <sighs> barnum hall caught on fire oh. and, it, and everything burned and uh the like jumbo went up in the flames oh. of that fire um so they took the ashes of jumbo and put him in a peanut butter jar and I think he's like in the athletic director's office or something now. Ew, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, but he's still on campus technically. Oh, well, yeah, uh, uh, his spirit will always be on campus too. Yeah. Um, is his skeleton okay? I I heard that the skeleton of Jumbo that P.T. Barnum displayed it for a little bit at like at the carnival or at the circus, and then he gave it to the Natural Museum of History in New York City. Do you know? Oh, um, may- maybe. Uh, I mean, I don't know. All I know is that the hide was yeah, stuffed. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I didn't oh, read okay. about that. I was just, I went down like the, the Tufts mascot uh, yeah. rabbit hole. That's cool. So, well, he still, you still might be able to see his skeleton at the Natural Museum of History in New York City. But That was some good uh, smart thinking on his part using every part of the elephant. Uh-huh. Nothing went to uh, waste. No. Uh, but it's sad that it was like at Tufts for 86 years. Yeah. I don't know. And then it burned. And then That's fucking fire, man. Dude, Ruined fire. everything. Barnum. Um, so anyway, sorry about that. That was a little sidetrack. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this was all still the same thing. The circus was like similar um, to what the museum had been. Um, he still had acrobats, freak shows, and like Tom Thumb still like hung out and did like shows every now and then i think oh uh yeah thank god he got him when he was young so he could stick around for a long time am i right yeah (laughs) (laughs) nope nope um Mm. longevity get them while they're young yeah 
Uh, and he was the first circuit. He, Burnham was one of the very first circus owners to move his circus by train um, and to probably even own a train at all. Uh, obvi- obviously, there weren't a lot of paved roads at this time in the United States. Yeah. Uh, so this is like a very savvy way, like just very smart way to get out there and to travel around and bring the show to people in different I, cities. I don't think, I mean, they didn't have like semi trucks or anything, you know, it was, no. pro- you probably had to do it by train because how like, are you going to fit a fucking elephant in a car? No, like, like think of Dumbo, like the yeah. Disney yeah. movie Dumbo, like they're all, all the circus is in the train, like that yeah. is where that comes from is from P.T. Barnum. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was, okay, this this is another little anecdote that I thought was really interesting that I uh, I have to pull up because he was so good at marketing and he was just like, there was all kinds of setbacks that were happening during this time while the, the circus was going on. They had like, like fires and like oh. train derailments and like oh. accidents and like horrible things were happening, but is always able to bounce back from them because he was such a good marketer and people like loved the circus so much. So uh, at one point, this is really funny. Uh, the Brooklyn Bridge opened in 1883 and there was some rumors going around that it was uh, structurally unsound <laughs> and it like caused like a ton of panic and it uh, caused a stampede that killed a bunch of people like like a dozen or so people died from this like stampede of people being like freaked out on the bridge oh my god Um, yeah and then the bridge the previous the owners of the bridge had previously turned down a five thousand dollar offer from barnum to let him parade the circus animals across it as a publicity stunt when they first opened the bridge but then after this like horrible thing happened they changed their minds and realized okay maybe this is a good idea Like, this will, like, put people's minds at ease. So May 17th, 1884, he marched 21 elephants and 17 camels over the bridge from Manhattan to Brooklyn. Oh, my gosh. And and Jumbo was a part of the procession. Um, And so this, like, whole parade over the bridge was, like, really awesome advertising for for P.T. Barnum. And because it was like, oh, my God, all these. And then all the, the huge animals obviously weighed a shit ton. There were like over 10,000 pounds on the bridge. Wow. So that helped put like any kind of like worry that the bridge might collapse to rest. So wow. he was a fucking genius in this regard. Um, was this when uh, Jumbo was alive or did they roll his taxidermied carpet <laughs> carcass over the bridge? No, this is when he was still alive. Oh, okay. Just checking. He died in 1885, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, sad. Um oh. And yeah, so yeah, he was just really, this was like, he got his groove. He's such a good marketer. Yeah. Um, and around this time, his wife died. Yeah. Which, I mean, we didn't really hear much about her. I, I feel like they didn't really, they were just like, whatevs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't read very much about her. So that's sad. Yeah. She died. She had had a stroke like years earlier and, and became an invalid. Aww. I guess, and she if that's, charity. is that even appropriate to use? I don't know, but uh, she just you know was like bedridden or whatever, and then yeah. she finally like succumbed to that. And then he had met a friend named Nancy Fish. Nancy Ooh. Fish, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me think of it's like Albert Fish's like yeah. cousin or something. Yeah, Ooh. 
but they got married and they had, had like a nice friendship. So that's nice. But she was uh, definitely, let's see, I think he was, um, I forget how old he was. Maybe he was like 64 when they got married and she was 24. Oh, um, okay. Uh, yeah, she was like 40 years younger than him. Yeah. Cool. Gross. Good for him. Good for him. But no. Uh, but whatever. Yeah. So he's flying high at this time, and yeah. this is this is a great time for him. Um, now, just real quick, I want to talk about one little thing in his his uh his history that is um very interesting and kind of sums up how he's just this like walking contradiction of a person. Mm-hmm. So he uh. He dipped into politics after a while, as so many people with money eventually end up doing. Yeah, money and fame. He went. He went from being a producer and promoter of minstrel shows to being an abolitionist. Huh. So this is a very interesting thing about him. He he had views that evolved over time, but he most certainly spent most of his life profiting off of people of color. But like, I, that's, I, I don't think those two things, like for us, we're like, how could you be both? Right, but, right. But I don't think that was odd. That t- like Exactly. So it makes sense to me, even though I it mean, doesn't it, make sense. Like, it makes sense to me, but it, what, do, what is, I, I think, unusual for this time, and I'm not giving him any kind of pass or anything, but how his – views evolved over time yeah 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 that's a good thing. which was which was uncommon i think for then mm-hmm. uh he i mean he, well he went he went from owning a slave basically yeah um to and like also having having a, a human attraction who was just who is a black man who is called what is it like yes he, he went from that to becoming an abolitionist yes. to being like very anti-slavery which i i at the time, I don't know. There, I don't think he made the connection in his mind. Like we, the view of slavery and the view of racism and the view of everything nowadays is very different than it was then. Yeah. I, and I, again, I'm not giving him a pass, but I just, I found this very interesting that he could have evolved and been kind of self-reflective of these practices, I guess. Well, I think it definitely makes sense because that's how you do evolve is like you know in the beginning of his career if he was like buying people or hiring people and then spending a lot of time with them and actually getting to know that they were people yeah they just look different or have something different about them then you would evolve because actually what is interesting about him as his career goes on he is like coming into contact with a lot of people who are very diverse and very different from him and come from all over the world. And so you could see how like, cause that is what erases those types of thoughts from people's heads. It's like getting to know people who are different from you. Yeah. You know? So it's like, Oh, okay. I could see like how over, I mean, a long period of time, essentially that happened for him, which that's good. I mean, that is redeeming. It is. It is. Um, he like he ended up running um, for Connecticut Gen- General Assembly uh, and he won. And that's when like all the all his views kind of became all his maybe his views had changed a ton over time, but that's when they became more prominent. Uh, mm-hmm. And he would give speeches about how 
he knew like he was in the wrong before and this is like every every human person it should be given unalienable rights and you know he would give these like great speeches about it oh, so good and that was when he was he became a politician like all these these views became kind of from our perspective had changed but he had probably mm-hmm. developed a, and evolved over time leading up to that um so yeah he was kind of a and i think because he was so self-aware he was really good at flipping the narrative and reversing it and mm-hmm. spinning it to make his situation looked more respectable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really understood public opinion. He really got that. Um, and so when he was able to kind of harness that, he was able to look look pretty pretty good. So yeah. I don't think it erases any of his past shit, uh, but no. it's very interesting to see this, especially during this time. But that's all you could ask of someone is to yeah. like – you know, are you evolving as a human for the better? Yeah. And he did. Yeah. Yeah. He did some weird shit. He did some weird shit. It wasn't good. It was not good. Uh, he was elected four times to the General Assembly of Connecticut, uh, where he advocated for the rights of individuals against railway monopolies, mm. among other things. He also, I think he tried to run for uh, a Connecticut state senator. Um. Oh, no, sorry. He's tried to run for United States Congress in 1867, and he lost to his third cousin, William Henry Barnum. (laughs) And then uh, in 1875, he became mayor of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and he worked to improve the water supply, bring gas lighting to the streets, and enforce liquor and prostitution laws. Hmm. Um, He was also instrumental in starting Bridgeport Hospital, founded in 1878. And was its first president. So he did do a lot of stuff. And I don't know. That was That's all some positive stuff that he brought to the table later in life. Um, and then uh, another little thing that was very interesting about him was, uh, and kind of redeeming also. And this goes back to him being such a good, so self-aware and understanding public opinion Mm -hmm. he and understanding himself and like what his moral compass was he uh he was savvy he was just so savvy i like i love slash hate the audacity of this bitch during (laughs) every stage of his life it's just like how do you have the he was a con man yeah i mean confidence man is what that stands for or what that is shortened for and like he was confident in everything he did and that's why he could get away with all this shit so yeah yeah well you know how like i think it was really interesting like it's hard because you could be like oh he was like a very shrewd businessman but then it's like but did he just gamble enough big like did he just gamble enough times with a big enough hand right you know that or and like a big enough like ante that like he ended up winning yeah i don't know it's i feel like you know what he could have Maybe he maybe he wrote the book or maybe he wrote the song of Kenny Rogers, the gambler. Um, Got to know when to hold him. Know when, when to fold him. him you yeah. know? Or, Sometimes he didn't know. Sometimes yeah, he just he like know. lost his ass. Yeah. And then maybe so, he should have taken a page out of that song yeah, book. that's right. But I don't and, know. And speaking of writing books, he ended up writing a book. Oh. Uh, he he wrote uh his he wrote several books but his most famous was his autobiography uh 
and he had he like did a very interesting thing. He had a, a mass publication of his autobiography was one of the most effective methods of self promotion he like ever thought up. Mm-hmm. He what he ended up doing was giving up his copyright to allow other printers to sell inexpensive edition editions of the book. So it just permeated the market. And by the end of the 19th century, the number of copies printed was second only to the New Testament in North America. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So he just like he he knew that if he did that, it would just permeate everything. And that was like all he wanted was self-promotion. So he like I don't it was like about money, but also like what's the next what's the big picture? He like got that. Oh, so I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Um, and some of the other books he wrote, like right before he got into the circus business, were about the tricks of the trade, basically exposing all the things that make hucksters like and <laughs> and flim flam man men able to like trick people. Uh he like wrote books about that, like exposing all that. And it was I, I kind of love that he did that because it was just like, yeah, look at this. This is like how this is what it is. And everybody's just like, fucker. <laughs> like six because, foot man eating chicken. Like, yeah, try, he's, like try and find the place where you can put the comma that will make it so you're not ripping people off. But like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, so he was like kind of an edgy dude who like on one hand saw nothing wrong in entertainers or vendors using hoaxes or, or humbugging, whatever. Yeah. Uh, in promotional material, as long as the public was getting value for money, like as long as they were entertained. Wow. Uh, and he would like, all he cared about was making money though. Like that was, that was, he would fake it until he would make it. And that was, that was what it was. And on the other hand though, he hated people who made money through fraudulent deceptions, especially the, during this time it was like, Everybody was into the spiritual movement and mediums and stuff. Uh, and he hated that because it manipulated people's emotions because they were claiming they were communicating with their loved ones that were dead or whatever. Uh, what? It was a hoax back then, too? Oh, what? <laughs> That's so weird. Better oh. call Long Island Medium. <sighs> um, yeah. So he, he, but he, so he, like, on one hand, he was like, yeah, trick people. They love it. It's great. But then on the other, he was like, not about the emotional manipulation tricks. Like, yeah, like it can't be that preyed it can't on be a people. deep. It can't be like a deep trick of a person. Right. It has to be like surface level for entertainment purposes. Like, exactly. And they they have to know up front they're here to be entertained kind of. Thing. That's right. Exactly. Uh, he even testified against a guy who was a spirit, a quote, spirit photographer uh, in, during a trial for a fraud against the guy. So he was like, he was, he had a moral compass to some degree, and it probably became more prominent later in life as he was older and wiser, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, that's, uh, those are some interesting points that I just, I wanted to, to include in there just to give a a fuller picture, not so we're just like talking shit, but you know. So this is towards the end of his life, and um, we didn't mention, but uh, he actually ended up retiring uh, mm-hmm. from from the circus business and just like business in general. I think uh, to enjoy, I think his uh, money probably. <laughs> I would hope. Um, yeah. He he retired in 1885, the same year that Jumbo died. Aww. So 
he was at that point he was like what 75 yeah i think yeah um so yeah he was he did the he did the circus business for 15 years and that was that was the last thing he did Mm -hmm. um uh well i mean he like did a bunch of others like he was a philanthropist later on and all that um and then he suffered a stroke in 1890 which left him bedridden and he died less than a year later in April of 1891. I think at the age of 80, right? I think so. Yeah. 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 I was, which it's like this is like his legacy is the circus. Like, yeah. You know, he did a lot of, I mean, I guess you could argue like the side, the sideshow type thing. I, I don't know, but which is but that's not really what his name is attached to it's more attached to like the circus and i just thought it was interesting like because there was a guy in the any documentary that i watched that like clearly works for the circus um (laughs) and he like you know he was wearing like a glittery coat and like was being interviewed in like a circus tent and you could he just looked he looked a little like he had like a lot of scabs on his face and i was like what is that guy definitely is in the circus Oh, God. I don't know. You know, uh, my feelings about the circus these days are, like, not very strong. But, or, oh, I God, mean, they, no. they are, but in a negative way. But he was, like, he, he said that he thinks if P.T. Barnum were, were to see the circus today, or, like, I'm saying, at least in the 90s when this documentary was filmed, I'm assuming, because it looks very 90s, um, the guy said he would not only recognize it, but he'd be pleased. And I'm, like, the fuck? Like, I mean... Maybe if he didn't have, like, any context of the world and he was just, like, beamed into a circus these days. Yeah, He'd be like, oh, wow, it's, like, just how I left it. And then you'd, like, step outside of it and be like, oh, this is sad. Yeah. Like, this has not progressed. No. There's nothing interesting. Uh, Like. Yeah, it's Right? Okay. Totally. And it just smells. I'm not, like, a circus person. The circus doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't? it they well I'll get to that but oh, okay. I mean I'm sure it does in some form or fashion and some some de- to some degree but um it's the party's kind of over uh, uh, yeah I the, uh, yeah his uh so Barnum Circus was sold to Ringling Brothers on July 8th 1907 for four hundred thousand dollars about ten point four five ten point four five million in 2017 dollars wow um and he was already dead by then, so it, like his yeah. estate sold it or whatever. His estate, yeah, his, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circuses ran separately until they merged in 1919, forming the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. Yeah. Uh, I and it's it the last. I think the last it all closed up shop uh, last year. Okay, because I know, like I know. It, it was still touring as of recently. And I remember when it would come to New York every summer mm-hmm. yeah. um, when I lived there. Yeah. But I haven't really paid attention since then. No, they they ended they end the Ringling Brothers closed up shop in I think mid twenty seventeen. And I sure. think I think it was because of all the animal rights activists, right? Because of yeah. the treatment of the animals yeah, in the circus. So this is the I think one of the lasting legacies of uh, P.T. Barnum and probably ironically so um, he was sort of responsible for helping the animal rights movement back back 
when he was alive, mm-hmm. uh, which helped it to survive and to exist into in its modern form um, by giving it kind of this media exposure mm. uh, because of how big of a personality he was. Oh. So, so he had formed, he had created an era of legitimacy for animal rights, the animal rights movement back in the, in like the 1800s, which evolved and evolved and eventually shut down the circus mm. last year. Like, Weird. That's, isn't that crazy? Is that irony? Is it, 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 all, it all came, yeah, I, I don't know. It all came full circle. Yeah. So what it ended up happening is he had a feud with this guy named Henry Berg, who was the guy who founded the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, the ASPCA, hmm. back in 1866. So back in those days, people didn't think that animals had feelings and they're basically treated like shit yeah. uh they didn't they didn't care about any animal yeah um and berg like pt barnum and his museum caught berg's attention because somebody had complained that the boa constrictors that were on display were being fed live rabbits <laughs> which that's what they eat oh yeah that's fair so, so somebody complained about that because bunny rabbits are cute Mm-hmm. And, and snakes, snakes are, are not. Yeah. yeah. So, so this guy Berg was like, "Oh, what the fuck!" and got all in his shit and wrote him like complained, wrote him tons of letters, and um, like and was so appalled that people were watching the bow constrictors eat the live rabbits. Like that was the big complaint. Mm. Um, and now I don't know much about snakes, but I know for a fact that they would rather have live prey than dead prey. I don't mm-hmm. think they want to eat a dead animal. So uh, Berg, like I said, he wrote a bunch of letters to Barnum and he said, basically, he didn't care about the snake, which is stupid because if you're an animal rights activist, like you should care about all animals. Yeah. And he basically said, uh, then let them starve for it is contrary to the merciful providence of God that wrong should be committed in order to accomplish a supposed right. Like, that doesn't even make sense. So oh P.T. Barnum was like, all right, dude, listen, you don't know shit about snakes, <laughs> obviously. So let me just tell you real quick. Um, and he actually, P.T. Barnum probably knew more about reptiles and snakes and other exotic animals than most people did during that time because of all of his, his experience with all these weird animals and stuff. Yeah. Um, so he writes this guy back and he's like, listen, dude, this is what they need to eat. Like, this is the natural law. They like prefer live live prey so then they have this like back and forth and pt barnum is like i appreciate what you're trying to do i i actually agree with you in a lot of respects but your whole approach to this is terrible like you're you're not doing yourself any favors if you really want to help animals you need to like hone your message like remember pt barnum is like a fucking master marketing genius like yeah. he knows what the fuck to how how to how to do pr he knows marketing he knows everything so over the years they end up he ends up like having this back and forth with this guy and forges a friendship with him and he helps he like helps him develop like a kind of better message for animal rights advocacy and uh that's how the movement grows and becomes legitimate is oh because God. of their like kind of weird friendship and adversarial friendship with each other so 
Oh my goodness. So that's so that's to me one of the most interesting things about this whole thing. Yeah. Is that he was like doing all this weird shit with animals and was like that's what eventually like got it shut down was animal rights advocates. Wow. I don't know. That's weird. Like a hundred plus years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well So Yeah. There you have it. Oh my goodness. So that's like the legacy I think of 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 him, the life and times. And I don't really have very much else. I think that we said all that there is to say about him. Yeah. I bet I feel like I don't yeah, this the legacy isn't the circus, especially now that it's not like the actual circus. It's like Yeah. Now that it doesn't exist, because people in like 20 years or what, 40 years, like won't even remember probably. Yeah, I think his legacy really is that he like (laughs) kind of shined a light on all the stuff that humans are drawn to. And no matter how problematic or weird they are, like it's what it is. And he was and he was that thing himself. And I don't know. Hmm interesting well that's all i got yeah what about you same yeah i don't really have much else what a life what a mm-hmm. time yeah um don't see that movie the greatest showman it's <laughs> if you've already Just seen kidding. it I'm do sorry. whatever you want oh yeah <laughs> i haven't seen it i'm not watching it so yeah please don't waste your money um <laughs> uh, oh girl i download that shit on the internet for free uh i spent money on itunes oh yeah i know <laughs> whatever i like thought for i thought for like a millisecond it was gonna be good and then it just it just what it wasn't so uh, it's a bummer yeah but anyway um follow us on social media guys yeah uh dtfu podcast mm-hmm. everywhere Yep, dtfupodcast.com is our website. It can take you to our Patreon page. It could take you to merch. It could take you to even social meds. Yeah. Uh, you could take you to listen to episodes. It's great. And we do not – we leave all our episodes up all the time. So yep. you're welcome to listen to them whenever, however we many listen times. if you want. I yep. don't know. Whatever Some, you want to do. So I have favorites that I go back to sometimes and just listen to Aaron making a joke again and then I laugh again just like yeah. I did in the episode. <laughs> and then uh, it's like in stereo because I'm like listening uh, to it and then I'm like feeling it. Yeah. It's, oh. It's very weird. You're like, I know it's going to happen and I know it's going to be funny. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Uh, well, thanks for listening, guys. We hope you liked it. Um, we'll catch you next week. And uh, until then, be excellent. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>